Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode 384, and I'm your host, Doug Gray. I know you're a little bit confused because, well, Chad Dotson is not here this week, and he asked me to fill in for him. He's out gallivanting around this wonderful country of ours. I'm pretty sure he's out in Arizona as I'm recording this right now. So this week, I'm going to be joined by Nick Kirby, who he helps out over at RedLegNation.com, and I'm sure you've probably seen his tweets over on, on the Twitters. We're going to discuss the first half of the Cincinnati Reds season so far this year and kind of take a little peek into you know what we expect to happen in the second half. You know, Right now, the Reds are in second place in the National League Central. They had a, a strong finish beating up on the first-place Milwaukee Brewers, and they're going, to, they're going to welcome them back to Great American Ballpark when they return on Friday. But, man, what a way to close out the first half. And, you know, it, it's, it's really important to beat the team that you're chasing down. So what, what, what did you think about that, Nick? Yeah, what a close to the seat, the, the to the uh, the first half. You know, taking three or four. I mean, I think I would have been pretty happy with the split, to be honest. So, um, yeah, Reds are playing playing good baseball. They've they've uh, they put themselves, I feel like, in a pretty good position here for the second half. Yeah, I mean, you know, for a while there, things things looked rough. Um, you know, the the bullpen was really really shaky for the first uh, two two and a half months there, and it seemed that you know, no no lead was safe for the Cincinnati Reds, and uh, you know they they really put it together. You know even as kind of the the, the bullpen has fallen apart a little bit in terms of injuries and health, and you know T.J. Antone's down, Lucas Sims is down, but the guys have stepped up for the most part, uh, and you know, they've they've gotten a nice run there. It's kind of I mean a couple games back of second place or a first place, you know a couple games back in in the wild card, and you know th- things are looking a lot better. If you you know. If you'd have told me three weeks ago that the Reds would be in this position, I'd, I'd have been kind of shocked, uh, to, if I'm perfectly honest with you here. Yeah, I don't think it's how any of us thought the Reds would get here, you know, to the All-Star break, but the Reds are on pace for 86.4 wins. I mean, I think probably every single one of us beginning of the season said that's where the Reds' pace would be at the All-Star break. We'd be like, yeah, we probably wouldn't have thought the Reds would be four back, you know. Um, the Brewers have had a incredible first half you know all the credit in the world to them um but the only reason the reds are in it is because of the reds i think i think the brewers are 28 and 8 in like their last however many games that is and um uh with their one and six against the 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 reds since like late may um so yeah i mean the reds are literally the only reason the reds are still in it because of uh, uh their play against the brewers i mean you know let's talk about this first half i mean you know you mentioned you know, it, I think that most of us would take what the record is right now. If you told us at the beginning of the season where we are, where we are now, if that's what the Reds' record would be, we'd all be kind of happy. But I mean, it hasn't been easy to get here either. I mean, the Sonny Gray has missed some starts. Uh, you know, Joey Votto missed a month. Eugenio Suarez has played. I mean, Nick, I, I know that you love Eugenio Suarez. I think we all love Eugenio Suarez. But I mean, if we're being honest, he has not hit well at all this year. You know, Kyle Farmer has played pretty much every day, and you know he's hitting basically the exact same as Eugenio Suarez is. Um, you know, there, there's been some real issues with this team, and yet here we are. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, I'm a massive Suarez fan, as anyone knows me does, but Suarez was the highest projected wins above replacement player um, on the Reds this year, position player. And it wasn't even close. I mean, I got the numbers up here. Suarez was projected for 2.9 wins above replacement. The second most was Tucker Barnhart at 1.7. And like Winker was 1.2. Cassianos was 0.9. 
and Swartz is worth negative 0.3. Like, just think of that in itself. And then the Reds are six games, six games above 500, four back on pace for 86.4 wins. Like, just that in itself is is insane, you know, but it's just, it's baseball. You know, you're every year you're going to have guys that you expect to be good that, that just, you know, fall off the map. And you're going to have guys that, you know, aren't expected to be good that, that take off or um, that drastically exceed their expectations. And, um, you know, all the credit in the world to them, the Reds just had, have had guy after guy after guy step up and that's why they're where they are right now. All right, Nick, let's talk a little bit about some guys that had some impressive first halves. Uh, you know, some guys overperformed things, but I mean, I, I don't know about you, me personally. I mean, I expected Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker to perform well. Uh, I, I'm not sure I could have said that I expected either of them to perform this well. I mean, they, they both made the all-star team, National League starters in the left field and right field. Uh, you know, until Jesse Winker's recent slump in the past couple of weeks, I mean, it was him and Castellanos back and forth for kind of the best hitter in the league for quite a while there. Uh, you know, it, it's been really fun to watch, you know, my goodness, what Nick Castellanos has brought to this team, just the, the energy and the fire has been just incredible to watch. Yeah. Um, Winker actually had a higher OPS last year, which just seems insane. Um, um, but he did. So, you know, maybe we should have saw with Winker. Now, Winker's uh, had a lot more, you know, plate appearances against left-handed pitchers this year, which has brought down his numbers some. But, yeah, I mean, it's just Winker really, I guess, solidifying, you know, that that big step that, that we saw him take last year. Um, but Castellanos, I mean, you know, I, I, I knew he would be better than he was in 2020. Um, I didn't know he'd be MVP level better. I mean, he's just been. He's, he's been incredible. So cool to see both of those guys, you know, representing Cincinnati as, as starters in the all-star game. Really cool to see um, both of them at the, the red carpet show, kind of wearing something sentimental. Winker wearing uh, uh, the Joe Morgan jersey um, that he said he asked permission from his family. I thought that was really cool. And uh, uh, Cassiano's wearing the shirt that his son designed. Um, just, you know, two really just great guys, easy to root for. Um, both, you know, different in their own way, but, but both special in their own way. Yeah. Just for anybody listening out there, if you did not see the shirt that Nick Castellanos was wearing on the red carpet, it's basically a, a drawing on a shirt that his son made of his father. So Nick is wearing a shirt of himself drawn by his son. It's incredible. Go find it online. It's great. If you missed it, I, go find it. It's, it's, it's totally, totally awesome. All right, Nick, let's talk about a few of the other guys that have stepped up in the first half of the season. I mean, I, I think that we need to start off with guys, you know, two rookies. How good has Jonathan India and, and Tyler Stevenson been this year? Yeah, I mean, I was a big uh, Stevenson guy going into the year. I felt really good about him. I, I mean, India wasn't even on my radar when spring training started. I, I mean, he, was, he, he wasn't even big league camp, right? I don't think so. I he, mean, uh, he wasn't. He got, he got an invite to officially join big league camp in mid-March. Yeah, I mean, I think we were, most Reds fans would have traded Jonathan India for like Miguel Rojas in, in spring training or something like you know, like that's and and now he seems like this untradeable like cornerstone piece of the team. I mean, all the credit in the world to him. Um, it, it, just his on base percentage. I mean, well, that's, that's the key with him. I mean, he is a, he's got an elite on base percentage as a rookie right now. 
Yeah, I mean, when Bell moved to the leadoff spot, I was like, well, you know, whatever. Like, this is kind of one of those moves to kind of shake up the lineup or whatever. You know, I didn't. Did you think he was going to stick in the leadoff spot? Now he's like the perfect leadoff guy, like the guy the Reds have been searching for forever. I don't know if India will keep this up all season. Um, You know, he'll probably come back down to earth some. But, you know, I don't think you get a 397 on base percentage by accident. You know, that's not one of those, you know, like, like fluky, fluky things, you know, like when you're walking th- in 13% of your plate appearances, like that, that's a skill. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not rocking the 450, uh, you know, batting average on balls and play and hitting 380 with a 397 on base percentage. I mean, he's, he's carrying it based on solid average, plenty of walks. And unfortunately for him, and thankfully he hasn't been really hurt too much by this, but he gets hit by a lot of pitches too. Yeah, that, that helps. That helps. You know, and, and the, the thing is, he only has six home runs right now. I think we all believe there's a little bit more power than he's even shown. And, boy, you could really talk about a scary player if you, you know, you get that that way above average um, on base percentage and then you start mixing in, you know, you know decent power. Hope me. That's that's uh, that's a special player. I mean, he I mean, he's already I mean, he's sitting at a 110 OPS plus right now. And he's really I mean, realistically, he's not hitting for much power. I mean, his, his, his isolated power is, let me do some quick math here, 132. I mean, that's, that's not really good. I mean, it's not, it's not terrible, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's below league average right now. Right. Um, well, so it's, it's like half, that's like half of Nick Castellanos. Yeah, I mean, well, Nick Castellanos is a different kind of dude, but yeah, I mean, if, if India gets that power to develop, and I think that for the most part, we all believe he, there's more in there for I me. Mean, he's 24 years old. He's never been a, a big home run hitter, but, uh, he he does rack up a lot of extra base hits, or at least he has in the past when he's been healthy. You know, if, if he can do that, that that's going to be that next step that maybe takes him from guy that's above average like he is right now to you know maybe all star contender kind of moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and, and you know, enough as much credit to to Tyler Stevenson as well. Um, I mean, every time the Reds have played him, he's come through. Um, he's had a lot of big pinch hit. Um, um, at bats um i think he's had like three walk-offs two or three walk-offs um he he's just wherever the reds have used him first base while while vado was on the il wherever the reds have put him he's hit he's produced um just you can't say enough about those those two guys now here here's a guy that i i've been impressed with small sample size limited usage but i i know that you like him too but i've been really impressed with aristides aquino um you know he's only hitting 227 right now but the last two years, and again, very small sample size, but his walk rate has really gone up, and he's held the power. Um, I, I know that the, the Reds outfield is very crowded, and they've tried to kind of mix Aquino in there in center field where, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's not quite as bad as playing Suarez at shortstop, but I, I don't think he's an actual center fielder. But sometimes you've got to get the bat in there, and if there's going to be a, you know, a ground ball pitcher on the mound, which the Reds have quite a few of, you know, it, it makes sense to give it a shot. but. Ah oh, man, I, I would really like to see what they could do with him in the second half if the opportunity presents itself because he he's been impressive to me. Yeah, absolutely, and it just it, it really feels like maybe a shift with with the Reds with maybe some of these guys with their you know better plate discipline um, because it's, it's guy after guy after guy and you, and you wonder if this is you know maybe more of a concentrated effort at, at getting on base, which you know uh, for someone who watched. Um, you know, some of the red teams of the past that that's uh, 
um, uh, a very welcome side. One thing about Aquino, my guy, uh, very, very small sample size, as you said, but uh, I'm a big fan of the stat expected weighted on base average, which is supposed to kind of be, you know, the better indicator from StatCast of of what you should have earned. Aristide Aquino, 394. He's ahead of Winker and Castellanos by a couple points. That's incredible. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like he's, you know, he had a couple, you know, fluke, fluke hits and, you know, he, what he has done so far, he has earned. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I love Aquino. And the thing that I think a lot of Reds fans forget is the Reds have control of Aquino. I think through 2025, either 2024 or 2025. Um, so like, he doesn't have to be a big contributor on this team. He doesn't have to be a big contributor on next year's team. He's kind of a nice, um, he is like your backup option for a couple of years. Just a nice guy to have on your roster. Yeah, I think the only thing that you would I would add to that is, you know, if if he's ever going to be a, a starting caliber player, I think that next year's got to be the year he's kind of got to put put his foot down and and make it happen. Now, obviously, some other people can be standing in his way for that. We don't really know what Nick Castellanos is going to do with that option. I think we've all got a, a pretty good idea of what he's going to do, but I, you, you don't know until you know. Um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, even if he is just that that backup fourth outfielder type, if something happens and you know, most of the time that does happen in a baseball season. Um, you, you've got a lot of worse options around the league than Aristides Aquino. Yeah, absolutely. Now, well, looking over at the pitching staff, I, I think that one guy stands out more than anybody else as far as guys that have exceeded expectations. Let's talk about Wade Miley. 2.80 ERA Wade Miley approaching 100 innings. I mean, that's incredible. I mean... What a signing, you know, you know, by the Reds um, after last year, it kind of looked like, oh, that was, you know, wasted money. But, you know, what, whatever, it wasn't that big of a deal. The Reds, you know, they, they signed four guys. And the one he was the one that didn't work out that happens. And now he's he's just he's been the ace of the staff. Wade Miley's been the ace of the staff. Um, just uh, incredible. You know, he's uh, uh, he's been fun. He's always fun to watch. You know, he bitches you know, super fast games. Um, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be able to keep it up all year. I mean, I, I don't think his expected stats are really that, you know, bad. They're, they're still well, well above average. So I think he'll probably come down to earth a little bit in the second half. Um, but man, just, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You know, Wade Miley. It turns out Derek Johnson knows what he's talking about. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, but you know, like last year, he got so much flack from. I mean, I, I hate to say people on social media because I'm sure there were people not on social media also giving Wade Miley some some crap wherever they could. But you know, he threw what like 14 innings last year because he was hurt, and I mean, he he tried to pitch through uh, pitch through some things that it didn't work out for him. But man, it's it's been fun to watch this year, and you know, like you said, I, I don't think that he's going to continue at this pace the entire year. I mean expecting almost anybody to be at a 2.80 ERA for the entire year. That's asking a lot. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's elite level ACE level kind of, you know, performance. Um, I love Wade Miley. I I don't think he's quite that good, but uh, man, that he works that cutter so well. Uh, You know, that's a pitch that's kind of, we've, we've seen it over the last decade or so more and more guys are throwing cutters. And the guys that can throw a good cutter, 
man, they, they really do just they get it done. They they beat those expected stats. I, I don't think that the they're built to handle the cutter because it's just it's such a, a pitch a, a specialty pitch. Um, you know, and we started getting things like, you know, the 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 defensive independent fielding stats back in the day. There was always a, a carve out for guys to do a knuckleball because the stat or the information said these stats don't work with the knuckleball. They kind of don't work with the cutter either because all of those stats are built on the idea that everybody kind of has that defensive behind them that evens things out, you know, 300-ish batting average on balls in play. Well, we we know better now. The cutter has the lowest batting average of balls in play among quote-unquote fastball-type pitches by a significant margin. Guys that can throw a good cutter, did throw it a lot, they almost always beat that. Wade Miley's got one of the best cutters in baseball uh, among starting pitchers. Uh, it's it's fun. I, I don't know. Like I, I've enjoyed watching Wade Miley. I hope he keeps it up. If nothing else, man, it's it's been a really fun first half watching him pitch. And his expected ERA is 3.59, so even that's really, really good. Right. I mean, if, that's... If, if he gives you that in the second half, it, it, it's a great deal for the Reds. It, it, good things are going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, another guy I'd really like to see. I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised by it. I doubt you're surprised by it, but it, it's great to see Tyler Malley's carried over what he did in 2020. You know, that was really his breakout year. And it's kind of like, well, you know, it was half of a season ish, you know, um, can he keep it up over a full season? We don't really know still, cause it's still just a half of the season this year, but you put the two together and I mean, he's, he's taken that next step. I mean, he's looking like a number two, number three starter, um, you know, for the last year now. And, you know, he's, I mean, 26 isn't super young, but it's, it's not old. He's definitely taken that next step. And, um, you know, he, he's going to be around for a couple of more years. And, uh, you know, you, again, another one is really fun to watch. The only thing that, you know, is working against Tyler Malley, he doesn't go deep into ball games. That's that's really the only thing you can say about Tyler Malley that's kind of a negative right now. Yeah, and the Statcast numbers love Malley. The Statcast says that that Malley's been the Reds, you know, best pitcher for for what it's worth. And I mean, even you know, three point six ADRA is really really good for a starting pitcher. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you would you would like you know Malley to to go a little deeper. I think people. You know, sometimes they 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 see Miley and Miley and they go, well, well, Miley can go, you know, seven innings. You know, they're two very different pitchers. Um, you know, Miley's relying on on um, on strikeouts where where or sorry, Miley's working up relying on strikeouts where where Miley isn't. I think someone was asking me about it. I actually think people said someone said to me, Miley needs to throw more strikes. Miley actually throws a higher strike percentage than than Miley, believe it or not. Um, it's just, you know, when Miley's throwing his pitches, he's inducing contact a lot more. So, you know, they're just two different types of pitchers, you know, um, you know, missing bats isn't a bad thing though. And, you know, there's going to be days where, where, you know, Miley's going to get dinked and dunked and, and kind of, you know, have a really rough final line of a game that he really didn't pitch all that bad. So, you know, those things kind of tend to even themselves out. I mean, again, you just both of those guys they're doing it in totally different ways but they've been very effective yeah last guy i want to talk about has kind of been a a standout and it's pretty much the only guy in the bullpen that's gotten it done you know unfortunately he's injured right now but man how good was tj anton in the first half man he's he's special um you know i know everyone wants him to to start but you know you think of the the first two months or however however long before he went on the il 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he was, I mean, just incredible, you know, pitching three innings at a time out, out of the bullpen a couple times. Um, yeah. I mean, just he, he's, He's been a guy. I was actually looking. What what draft class was he in? I want to say 2014. Yeah, there was like it's like 2014 was like yeah maybe one of the worst Reds draft classes. Uh, I was just you know I was just looking through the last so many years. You know, well, I was watching the draft a little bit last night, and TJ Anton. I think he's the only guy that that the only guy that made the majors or the only guy that you know has had any sort of success. Um, um, so I just thought that was that was kind of an interesting thing. About. I, I believe you're forgetting about the legendary reliever Alex Blandino from that draft. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I should have said, you know, at their at their drafted position, done anything. Um, uh, yeah, can't you're, forget you're, about you're, Blandino's pitching and and Brian O'Grady, who is no longer with the Reds, but he he's he he's been up and down this year with. Uh, Heck, was he with Tampa Bay to begin the year? I don't, he's, Padres he's with, now, I think. He's with San Diego now, but I, he was with the, the Rays at some point. I don't know if that was last year or this year or both, maybe. Um, but, yeah, yeah that, that is, that's definitely a, a rough draft class. But, uh, yeah, Antone's been uh, outstanding. And by the way, I'm, I'm definitely team Antone as a starter. Um, but they don't let me make those decisions, Nick. If they, if they do – um, you know, well, one, my, my, my raise is going to go way, way up because I'm not giving away this information for free guys. I expect to be paid for this, you know, Bob, so, if you're listening. So Doug, just, uh, I I'm curious here, let's say you get to 2022 and this is totally hypothetical, but it's, uh, let's just, let me, feel- let me interrupt. I better get to 2022 <laughs> <laughs> after the last year. Yeah. Okay. So, so the reds, uh, let's say they pick up Miley's option. So they have Miley, Malley, Castillo, Gray, Antone, and let's say Green and Lodolo are ready. Which of those two go to the bullpen? I don't have a good answer for you, but maybe I'm going six-man rotation. Okay, okay. I mean, hey. I, I, I'm just saying, I, I know that, you know, that was kind of brought up as a possibility for some other teams in Major League Baseball this year. I know a few teams have even gone to it for at least short periods of time. I mean, I, I think I'd have to give it a shot if I had all of those arms. I really do. Because one, I, I long-term, you want guys like Lodolo, Green, and Antone to be in the rotation, if you ask me. They're not going to get there by being relievers. Um, especially, you know, Hunter Green needs the innings. Like, he, he needs to build up those starter innings. So I, I'd be hesitant to put him in the bullpen. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to putting him in the bullpen this year, later in the year you know, say mid-August or so, just because you are going to want to eventually, you know, cap those innings because of his past. But you you want to build him up. Um, you know, Lodolo, he's got the starter's background. Antone's got the starter's background. I, I'd be less hesitant with that. But I do think that in Antone's specific case, because he's been a reliever the last two years, you kind of need to build him back up a little bit. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, there's a situation where he can be a reliever for three years in a row. And then you push him back into the rotation, expect him to throw 150 plus innings. Yeah. Uh, so I, and since I'm on team Antone as a starter, I'd, I'd have to find a way to make that happen, but well, you're right. I mean, if, if those are your options, who do you push out? I, I don't have a good answer for that. It's a, it's a good problem to have. And honestly, the chances of all seven of them being healthy at the same time, probably isn't that high just with, you know, how, how pitchers are. I think it'd be interesting if you got into that situation 
Um, and obviously right now at this second, you wouldn't even consider this. But, you know, say Miley comes back down to earth just a little bit. I think he's kind of an interesting um, reliever option, kind of like if if in, in 2022, Miley was what we thought Lorenzen would be this year, kind of that like hybrid. I think he could fit that role really well, and he's he has done it before. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are definitely opportunities to explore. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, just think about throwing like Wade Miley out there after, say, Luis Castillo. Like how how messed up would that be as a hitter? Like you'd go from, you know, 98 to 100 miles per hour with that devastating change up coming from the right side. <laughs> you get Wade Miley coming in there throwing 86 mile per hour cutters at you with all of his secondary. Like it's just just completely, totally different looks, different sides. I mean, that 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 could be fun. But uh, yeah, like you said before, it, it's a good problem to have too much pitching and not know what to do with it exactly than to be the 2016 Reds and just wonder that was, who, <laughs> who can we run out there today? And oh, yeah. That was exactly my thought as we were, we were talking about this. I was like, yeah, the, the 2016 Reds days are, are, are thankfully and hopefully long, long behind us. Yeah, so we're, we're going to have to go into the, the, the depressing side of things now. We talked about, you know, the guys who exceeded some expectations. We talked a little bit about guys who didn't kind of live up to the billing in the first half, but I, I think that it's probably worth mentioning a few other guys who, who didn't really live up to the expectations we had. Um, you know, I mean, we can realistically say the entire bullpen just about. Um, but I, I think that the, the biggest one out of that would be Amir Garrett, right? Yeah, um, I mean, and, he's, I mean he's, he's turned it around a little bit lately, but it, it was. It, I think it's very fair to say that Amir had a very tough first half. Yeah, and, and I mean, he he certainly has turned it around lately, into his credit. But it also is probably worth noting of late, the Reds have really, to David Bell's credit, has really strategically used Garrett. Garrett has not been going in just for full innings. You know, you thought with Garrett, it wouldn't really matter as much, you know, right and left. Sure, you'd like him to face as many left-handers as possible. But but I think, you know, you say seventh inning, Amir Garrett, you can go face whoever. I, I don't really think they feel like that right now. There's been a lot of, of one and two batter mi- middle of the uh, innings that Garrett's come in, and he's been pretty effective of late, so, so to his credit. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, he was – it was a guy that, you know, at the beginning of the year, I felt good about. I didn't feel as good as I think everyone else felt, you know, because of his walk rate. And, um, you know, just man, t- tough year for him. And, you know, you hope he can be one of those, uh, you know, second half comeback success stories. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the way that they've used him lately. And I, I think that does play a little bit of a role in it. Now, one, you know, it, it is on him to get the job done, and he has been. Putting him in the right situations also helps. Um, now, you know, we've got the three batter minimum rule. So if he didn't get his job done, you know, those sh- quote unquote short outings wouldn't exist because he'd have to face at least three guys. Um, and, you know, like we said, to his credit, he's gotten it done lately. But, you know, just looking at his first half, I mean, he's, he's allowing 2.6 home runs per nine innings. Uh, his walk rate, like you mentioned, it's five and a half right now. Now, he's never had a good walk rate. But he's got a really bad walk rate and one of the worst home run rates in the entire league right now. Um, uh, it, it, it was rough, and I, I think that I mean he's got six saves, which is I mean I, that kind of goes back to the whole 
you know, the bullpen's been an absolute disaster anyways, given that a guy who has been that bad somehow has been given that many opportunities to pick up saves. Um, but while we're at it, I mean, let's talk about some other guys that have had rough. Well, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let's give, let's give Garrett one positive before we move on. I believe if I counted right, 11 straight appearances without allowing a home run. So um, now, there's a lot of, you know, 0.1, 0.2s in there. But again, um, but again, like we said, he had to get the job done to make yeah. those short outings because he would have to face three batters if he didn't. So, so, yeah, so at least, you know, the home runs have have, have slowed down. <laughs> yeah. Now, this I feel like this is a staple for, for Red Lake Nation Radio, but uh, poor, poor first half. So let's go with the front office. Um. I, I know that this has been a, a thing that's been talked about on, again, social media, and it's weird to, it's, you know, I've been doing this job forever now, and I, I still feel weird when I say, oh, the reaction on social media, like, it just feels strange to say that, and I don't really know why, because it's just fans, you know, having, you know, full-time access to the banana phone now, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a different, you know, medium for fans to express what they're thinking. Um, but, you know, Nick Crawl, the general manager of the Cincinnati Reds, has said multiple times in the past two weeks, three weeks, that you know, if given the opportunity to improve the team, they would look into that. And I, I, I know I've said it before. I know Chad has said it before. I know a lot of other people have said it before. But I, it's tough to see where the Reds' ownership group is really committed to giving them the opportunity to do that. You know, they, they went into the offseason and cut payroll. Um, and they, they, and they've cut it from the bullpen. Coming into the year, I know that I felt a lot better about the bullpen than I feel about it right now, um, especially given how it's performed. But for the first two months of the season, the bullpen was so bad that I just sit back and I wonder, what do you mean if the opportunity presents itself to improve? Like, Nick, they could have almost run you out there and it had been the exact same situation as what they got out of the bullpen for the first two months, Sands, TJ, Antum. Like, there had to be something out there, a trade available to do something, and they didn't do it. I, I know that you've got a different take on this a little bit because we, we actually talked about it on Twitter earlier today. Uh, my issue is, and I understand that Nick Crawl is not going to throw ownership under the bus. Like, that that's, you know, part of the job of being general manager, president of baseball operations in the past with Dick Williams having that job. You you have to kind of take one for the team. Uh, whether you're being entirely truthful or not in your public statements, it, you, you, t- you have to take one for the team. It's, it's like a manager's job. You know, David it's Bell... taking a few for the team. <laughs> David Bell has said things to defend players because that's his job. He's not going to throw players under the bus. Dusty Baker was great at that too. You know, he was not going to throw his players under the bus in public. You know, he, he wants to exude that confidence in those guys in a public-facing manner. Now, I think that the managers probably have these conversations in private that, hey, you know, we need you to do this, this, and this because you're not getting your job done. But they're not going to do that in public. Same thing with Nick Crow. I don't think that he is going to come out and say, hey, you know, we don't have, you know, the ownership's not going to sign off for us taking on four, five, six, seven million dollars to acquire a, an elite reliever. That's not going to happen. He's not going to say that. But me reading into the situation, that's how I see it. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago they had said, you know, well, we're going to wait and see what happens when all of our guys get healthy. Well, by the time everybody is quote unquote healthy, it's July 25th and you've got a week to evaluate about four guys. That's not enough time, in my opinion, to really know where you stand. 
Um, so that that that's my take on it. I, I I'll let you go ahead and speak now because I, I know that we had that good conversation going, and I I, I do think that you have a, a a different but good perspective on it. Yeah. So certainly, let me be very clear. I hope with everything in me that they are actively looking right now. I think it's easier said than done to make trades right now. And I know everyone's going, well, Willie Adamas, well, Willie Adamas, you know, that is kind of the Reds should have got Willie Adamas. Um, let's start there. Um, but I think trades in general, they are a little harder to, to make on July 12th and July, you know, 29th. Um, you know, most teams are wanting to wait till closer to the deadline because they want that competition to get the, the maximum value for the players. I have a theory. And, you know, hey, I'm Mr. Optimism, so this might be a very, very optimistic. So if this isn't for you, hey, it is what it is. And if I'm completely wrong, be sure to tell me about it. Oh, so, they will. They will, I promise. <laughs> so, so here's my theory. I don't think that the Reds' ownership really cares all that much about the diehard fans, the Nick Kirby's of the world. Um, um, I don't think probably most owners really do when it comes down to it. Um, I think that the the Castellinis and the the Reds ownership, I think they definitely really care about that casual fan. You know, that fan that, um, you know, who's going to come to the ballpark several times a year. Um, I feel like, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know if you you share this, this, Doug, but I feel like they've really cared very much about their public perception with how the ballpark looks, um, their relations with the community, all of those kind of things. and I feel like they've done overall a pretty good job on that. So get to this off season. Okay. You get to this off season, you know, after, you know, COVID last year, um, you could kind of sell the line to the casual fans. We had to cut budget fair or not, but you kind of sell that a little bit. You could sell way. We got rid of rice. Sell Iglesias. Half the casual fans probably thought Rosal Iglesias was garbage. You know, like I mean, you know, how many times did Rosal Iglesias have a bad outing last year? And Doug, your mentions, my mentions, where the Reds got to get rid of this guy. So the casual fan probably didn't understand how valuable Rosal Iglesias is. Um, and so I kind of feel like everything they've done to this point, they can kind of get past. You know, with with the casual fan. Now that said. They get to the trade deadline and they don't make any moves after we've seen this team and the casual fans seen this team, you know, fight and, and scratch and claw and really just, I hate to say will themselves to victory because that is like the most cliche state statement, but they really have. I mean, they've really fought to get to this point. And even the casual fans knows the bullpen has been terrible. So if the Reds get to the deadline and they don't make any moves, I think they're going to lose some of those casual fans. And I think the Castellinis really care about them. I I think if the Reds are within four games, I think they're going to do something. Now it might not be the the Trevor story that I want, and you know, or, or the Taylor Roger or whoever else that everyone else wants. But I think if the Reds get to the get to the deadline and they are within a couple of games, I think that they will make some sort of substantial move. Again, if I'm wrong, please tell me about it. But that's kind of my my theory on this. I. I... I know you're going to know what I'm, you know what I'm going to say, because I, I, we, like I said, we had this conversation earlier, but uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I just, I'm, I'm reading into things and again, maybe I'm wrong and that's, you know, that's okay. I'm wrong all the time. It's fine. I'm used to it. Um, but I just, I, I don't see it happening because I, I think that for the most part, they're set offensively. Now, I think we all agree they could upgrade shortstop, but it comes back to, I don't know that they're in a position to actually do it based on the players they have. 
because when everybody's healthy, that I mean, they're not going to bench Suarez. I don't care what anybody wants to say. They're not benching a Eugenio Suarez. Well, if everybody's healthy, that means Suarez has to go play shortstop right now. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Nick. I, I under I understand where you're coming from, but I I, I mean, am I wrong in the, in that situation? I, I don't know how you can put him back at at shortstop. I, but I what, just, what, 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 yeah. but, but what's the other option? I mean, I, the Reds have backed themselves into this corner with uh, you. You can't bench Jonathan India. You're not going to bench Mustakis. You're not going to bench Joey Votto. Somebody's got to play shortstop out of those guys. And I, I mean, I feel like if they were going to really consider Jonathan India at shortstop, why hasn't it happened for the last month and a half? And it hasn't happened. So. I don't know. And then you've got Jose Barrera, who's now in triple a, uh, I, you know, he's played well this year. Obviously they thought enough of him to bring him up last year. Um, I, I don't see them making a move for shortstop. Um, and if, if they do, it's going to be a short term. And I don't think that they're going to acquire somebody who's very good. And I don't want to say they're going to acquire somebody who's bad, but I don't think they're going to give up premium assets to acquire somebody who's going to be around for two or three months. Um, maybe I'm wrong again happens all the time but <laughs> I, th- I think that thinking long term that would be a mistake and i think that they understand that so then you, then you get to the bullpen and i i, I really like to come back to the thing that nick crawl has, has said you know we want to get healthy and you know they've, they've got guys right around the corner michael lorenzen is rehabbing in triple a right now he's looked good so far so they the expectation is he's going to be back you know the end of this week you know lucas sims is going to be back in a couple of weeks TJ Antone hopefully is going to be back in a couple of weeks. That's the expectation for those. You get those three guys back, it changes the entire outlook of your bullpen. You know, who who knows exactly what's going to happen with Jeff Hoffman, but he's been very good the first time through the lineup this year. Now, will that transition to a role in the bullpen? I don't know, but they're going to look at it. And if for some reason he winds up in the rotation, that's going to push Vladimir Gutierrez or Tony Santion into more of a, a full-time bullpen role. I mean, I and going back to what you were saying, if they don't make a move at the deadline, what that, what's that going to say to the casual fan? Well, if all these guys come back and the bullpen improves itself just based on everybody being healthy, well, then they don't got to worry about what they did or didn't do to sell the casual fan when October rolls around because the bullpen's pitched better because everybody was healthy. They have to get pretty lucky. They have to get really um... – <laughs> you look it's, – it's one of those things. You look at the bullpen and you go, well, you know <laughs> – they might there's, have enough. There's there's a way it could work, you know. The, the, you know, man, if, it, it, it's a big if if everyone stays healthy, and yes. and especially with with Sims and Antone. Um, well, heck, maybe the Lorenzen. Lorenzen hasn't pitched all year. Yeah, and he. I mean, when he got when he first got hurt, the plan was to keep him in the rotation. They expected him to miss like two weeks. It's now July twelfth, and he hasn't pitched in a big league game. So, but uh, I don't that, that 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 that's how I see it playing out. Whether it works out or not, I have no idea, but I, I really do think that's the plan. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's just they have a lot of options, but it's it's and, and you know, look, some of these pickups that the Reds have picked up. Um, I think Heath Embry is at least a major league caliber reliever. Um, I think Brad Brock is probably at least a you know major league caliber reliever, and Art Warren. I don't you know he I know he got a. Uh, taken out of the game on 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 sunday um yeah I, and I, but, I, I i haven't heard an update on that either so i'm not entirely sure what's going on there if it's if it's serious or not 
But I, I think that a contender could have those guys in their bullpen. They just can't be, you know, they can't be the, the back end guys. They can't be the back end of your bullpen. So I don't know. There, there's, there's enough options if, if everyone stays healthy that you know you could at least have your bullpen not be um, terrible. Yeah, or, or really hold you back that much. But you're banking on health. And if, if there's anything that we've seen this season, coming off last season, banking on health is not a good strategy. It's it's not. I, I saw I saw something earlier today. It's like thirty three percent more injuries this year versus the same point in the twenty nineteen season. I mean, you know, the, the, we all know that the Reds have been bitten by the injury bug, but so has everybody else. And I, I know that you know it's it's been a thing. I'm pretty sure you've talked about it before too. That you know, you just don't know what's going to happen in the second half because because of the way injuries are. I mean, if if somebody gets hurt, it's a keystone player on a t- on a contending team, and realistically, it, it's probably going to happen to a few teams because I mean that's just what's happened this year. I mean that that changes everything. Yeah, and I mean I think that's an interesting thing with the Brewers to watch because their three top horses are are going to be in our um yeah, sorry an uncharted territory very soon. I think. One of them, I can't remember which one. I tweeted it out. Uh, one of them is already past his his career major league high in innings pitch, and the other two are getting very close. Um, and I think the Brewers, to their credit, they've done a really good job. They've used the six man rotation, like you had talked about earlier, Doug, as a you know potential for the Reds next year. Um, and, and and it's it's kept them healthy so far. Um, you certainly don't want to you know win a division on someone's injuries, but you know the Reds have had injuries too. Um, so that's, you know, I know the Brewers at times have felt kind of unstoppable, but if you, if you start looking at their starting pitching and you start looking at their track record, it's nothing compared to the Reds and, and their track record. And that doesn't mean the Reds guys are going to stay healthy, but you know, Castillo, Gray, Miley, and even Mally have all pitched a lot deeper into a, a major league season than any of those guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. And, you know, if, if we're going to play the odds, at least rotation wise, the Reds definitely have that advantage over the Brewers. Um, but I'm, again, who knows? I mean, you know, Sonny Gray has a pretty decent track record of pitching yeah. a lot of things too. And he's on what his third different stint on the IL this year. Um, now, again, he's not, a, he's not even expected to miss any starts with this current IL situation. Um, but you never know. And until he takes the mound on Friday or Saturday, um, I mean, it, it's possible that whatever they plan to fix didn't work right. Uh, and maybe he, maybe he'll miss a starter. I don't know. Um, but I, you know, the, the Reds have a little bit of depth there too. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, at least in, in the immediate future, but again, you know, one injury can shake things up pretty quickly. Um, all right. Well, let, let's let's wrap this up with uh, just some some general thoughts on what we expect for the second half. Um, me personally, I, I I feel a lot better right now, um, particularly about the bullpen because of the conversation we just had. I, I you know the Reds are expected to get some guys back. I, I think that will really change the the outlook of the bullpen. Again, hopefully everybody can stay healthy or healthy ish. Um, but especially just given how bad it was in the first half, you know, even though they pitched well for what the last month or so, uh, you know, g- getting those guys back, it, it, it's a game changer. It really is. Um, I, I have plenty of faith in the offense, which I, I know there's a lot of people out there that they, they still give the Reds offense a lot of crap 
but I, I don't think that they have quite grasped where we're at in, in baseball's hierarchy right now. The Reds have one of the best offenses in the National League for as tough as it can be to watch sometimes for some people. It's better than almost every other offense in the National League. Um, you know, rotation-wise, I think they're good. Hitting-wise, they're good. Defense, ugh. but, you know, it, it it is what it is. All the starters have gotten the job done despite that defense. Um, get that bullpen a little bit healthier. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Nick's right. They'll pick up a, a good reliever, and that'll really help too. Uh, but I, I, I'm confident in where this team is heading. I still think it's going to take about 90 wins to be a true contender for the playoff spot. I think it's still going to be tough to get there, but I, I, I don't see it being something that is unreasonable either. I, I think this is a good team. I think they're better than what I thought they were at the beginning of the year, despite the way that some of the things have played out this year. Um, I don't. I, I think they're. You know, maybe maybe it's because they've been playing so well lately. But I feel they're, they're they're a team on the rise right now. I think they're playing well. The the offense. Oh my gosh, they never give up. They they never quit. Um, and you know, I I I, I like it. I I think that some some good things are going to happen in the second half. Uh, you know, being in contention to the end of the year. I, I think that that that's in the in the, in the plans for them. Whether they can get to the playoffs or not, that one I don't know. The Brewers are very good. You know, winning that wild card is going to be really tough if you can't win the division. I think the teams out West are probably all going to win 90-plus games. It's it's hard to see the Reds finishing ahead of the the Dodgers or the Padres. I mean, unless, you know, one of those teams just um, it falls has really, really – has 2020 Reds luck or, you know, gets, gets you know, decimated by injuries. I think the Giants are a team that, that – I mean, I think the Reds are, like, you know, nine games behind them. So, there's, they're quite a ways behind them, but – I think they're a team that that could regress because they're a team like the Brewers that have overachieved to this point and to their credit. Um, so, I mean, if they come back down to earth, maybe that that wild card spot opens up. It's nice just to have, you know, two paths as opposed to one, um, because if one of the team takes off, then, you know, you're. There's nothing you can do if, if the Brewers win 100 games, right? I mean, the Reds aren't going to win 100 games. Um, not, the Brewers aren't going to win 100 games, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there, there's plenty of reason for optimism. The schedule in the, the second half, especially as you get deeper, um, really looks favorable for the Reds. I've been saying all year, nine of the last 18 games are against the Pirates. Um, um, Reds have a bunch of games against the, the Marlins, got some games against the Tigers in the second half. So, um, you know, the, the schedule's definitely the Reds' favor. I think the Reds have a team that right now, you know, assuming decent health, will we'll hang around until the end. Um, I hope that, that, that ownership, um, in, in the front office to a degree sees it the same way I do and says, you know, Hey, they've got a good team, but you've also got a golden opportunity here. You know, um, not every year you're going to have the, the, the Cardinals and Cubs probably sellers at the deadline. Right. I mean, that doesn't happen every year. Um, you know, you have a real chance this year and I, I really hope they capitalize on it. I'm, I'm right there with you. I hope they do. I hope they realize the situation they're in. You know, when it's there for the taking, go take it. Because sometimes you plan for things to work out for you in March, and they just don't. And that opportunity is not there. Um, you know, th think about the, the 99 Reds. Nobody expected them to be like, you know, 96-win team. You know, they were, they were expected to be a, a solid average team, and things just went right for them. Uh, you know, sometimes those things happen. Think about the 2000 Reds. People expected a lot more out of them, and it just didn't work out. 
when it's there, go for it. And, you know, I understand that, you know, ownership may not want to bite the bullet and spend the money, uh, but, you know, can't take it with you, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not like they have these massive holes either. It's not like they have to go get a frontline starter. It's not like they have to go get a premier bat. You know, they just need more filler pieces. They need the easy pieces to acquire, right? Um, you know, it's just, man, it's 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 there. I hope the Reds capitalize, you know, and if they don't, hey, I'm still going to root for these guys. These guys are fun. These guys, every night, I'm proud to be a Reds fan. You know, I'm proud to be a fan of these players. They, they give it their all. Um, they never quit, like you said. And, uh, hey, uh, you can't ask for anything more out of them. All right. Well, Nick, this has been fun. I had a good time. Um, I'm, I'm usually not, you know, the the happiest person hosting a podcast. I feel like I do a terrible job, but yeah, this this was fun. I feel like I didn't screw up too much. If I did, guys, I'm I'm totally sorry. That's my bad. Chad's gonna kick me off of here next week anyway, so it's fine. You're just gonna have to deal with it, and you made it this far. So hey, uh, good job. Thanks for listening. But uh, Nick, why don't you uh, tell people about where they can listen to you every week? Um, I I I don't always listen. Because I'm a busy, busy person, but sometimes I do have some free time on uh, Wednesday nights, and I, I can I can tune in. So tell tell people where they can listen to you. Yeah, so so me and my buddies uh, at, at Tim Daniel and Carlos Guevara, you know Carlos, former uh, Reds prospect who uh, pitched for the Padres. We started a show late night Red Stock every Wednesday night at uh, nine o'clock. Um, we do the show live on YouTube. So it's a little bit different than, than your standard podcast. We're certainly not a competition for any other podcast. We, we do the show live on YouTube and uh, um, um, you guys can uh, like enter the chat and ask questions live on the show. So I think it kind of is a cool, uh, you know, cool, cool way to kind of interact and talk Reds baseball, which is why I'm here and probably why those of you listening are here. So um, yeah, tune in nine o'clock every Wednesday. If the Reds play a, a Wednesday night game, we just do it as soon as the game ends. Um, unless it ends at like two in the morning, then we just, you know, bite the bullet and do it during the game or during a rain delay. We've had that several times. But yeah, nine o'clock. Um, uh, follow that on uh, on Twitter uh, at Late Reds at Late Reds on Twitter. And we'll send out a link every week to the live show. And then we uh, it's also up on all your favorite podcast we put it up for the the next morning thursday morning on apple podcast spotify all that kind of fun stuff all right well thanks again for joining me nick it was it was fun absolutely thanks so much doug